from New York City. A podcast from working actors, directors, and playwrights. This is the Cry Havoc Company. Hello, and welcome to the Cry Havoc Podcast. Today around the table we have... Tim Davis, I'm an actor and a writer. Jenny Carlin, I'm an actor. Jen Reigert, I'm a writer. And Kit Lavoie, I'm a director and a writer. Today, we're going to be talking about what it means to be a good scene partner. There are many different working relationships in the theater, and one of the most important ones is the one between peers of actor and actor. And there are a lot of things that you can do as an actor when you're working in a scene with a person, both in rehearsal and in performance that can make the other person's job much easier and there are things that you can do that can make their job much harder. And so today we're going to be talking about those things that you can do to make each other's lives as easy and productive as possible when you're working together on a scene. So we are talking primarily today about the things that you do when you are in a room with another actor and actively working on a scene. But are there things that you can do before you get in the room with them, either before the process begins or before specific rehearsals that can prepare you to be as good and productive a scene partner as possible? Yeah, I think the, the, the preparation is the typical preparation I would do, identifying what's important to me about the scene, what's important to me about the play, whether there's questions the, the play raises or the, the scene raises. So I try to identify as many of those things as possible so that when I do meet with the actor the first time, there can be a, a conversation about context that usually is a, a good jumping off point. And then there's also specific elements about the play or the scene that need to be addressed by me first before I walk into a rehearsal room. One thing I like to do with the scene partner when I get in the room is come to a, a basic understanding of where the scene takes place so that we're both seeing the same place. So if I have a specific sense of the room or the land or wherever it is the scene is taking place, if I can walk in to a rehearsal and say, this is what I'm seeing in terms of our immediate physical landscape. We're at least in the same place initially, regardless of whatever else we're working on. And it's interesting too, because you can come in with your specific thoughts on character or setting or what you're, you're gonna wanna try to achieve, knowing that once you start talking to someone else and start really working together, those things might change. But you really do need to start off with some place to, to go from, to jump off from. So it's like doing your homework so that you have ideas to bring to the table, yeah. that you're not just yeah, showing yeah. up a with blank, a total a blank, blank slate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it's important to define for yourself what you're hoping to get out of that scene or what you're hoping, hoping to achieve. And you know, if the other actor is doing that as well, when you first arrive at that conversation, you don't need to come to an agreement about mm -hmm. your differing agendas. But I think you need to have an understanding of what of what your own process is going to be, or at least what your initial process is going to be, and what your initial agenda and, and hopes for the scene are. And I think when you have a conversation with the other actor, you don't necessarily need to abandon those or come sort of consensus. But I think it's important that you're clear about you know what those elements are for you, what your goals for the scene are, so that you're at least aware of what your partner may be working on, or how they may be approaching the play, and how you can then help each other. Yeah. I think it's really important to respect the time that you have in rehearsal 
as the time that you and the other actor and the director and anyone else who's working with you have to work together. And that idea of doing all of the homework that you possibly can that doesn't require the other people, uh, your sensory work, which we've talked about in the past, your character history work, which we've talked about in the past, again, coming up, as, as, as you were saying, with your goals for the rehearsal, really taking the time to go back through the last rehearsal that you had and unpack that for yourself so that you're showing up at the next rehearsal in a different place than you left the rehearsal before so that you'll be in a place to surprise the other actor in the scene that you have evolved so that the scene can further evolve when you get there together i think that's really important in terms of you know and we have talked about that previously about homework and and things that you can do on your own so that you're making use of the other person's time i think one of the initial things i do when preparing for a scene is i sort of not I sort of, I do go through all of the, the given circumstances in regards to uh, my physical state, in regard to my own character history. These are things that, that I can work out independently of the other actor. And this is just a, a goofy example, but if, if my character is drunk for the scene, drunk is something I can work on on my own and then bring into rehearsal and then work on something involving, you know, uh, the other the other actor involving something to do with our relationship or our competing actions. It would not be useful to either of us if I came into the rehearsal and just worked on drunk, and the other actor had to deal with me just being drunk. If I, if I if I was able to to do that at home and then bring that in and then layer in some sort of action on top of that, that's productive for for both of us. Now he has to deal with me dealing with the sensory aspect of being drunk plus whatever my action is or whatever else it is I'm working on that day. And also if you if you have worked at home and done your history and know that you have specific questions or thoughts about what you've kind of worked out at home that might not be beneficial to, you know, stop rehearsal or halt rehearsal for everyone to hear. If it, I mean I guess it depends on the relationship you have with the director, but seeking either him or her out after the rehearsal or before rehearsal to ask questions. Um, I know Kit before each rehearsal, you have a, a thoughts, comments, questions section where people can talk about or ask questions about what they've come up with in the meantime between rehearsals. And I, I think equally important to doing the work that you can do on your own, on your own, um, I think it's also important to not try to do the work that you need the other actor for independently. You know, that there is a lot that you are going to discover from interacting with the other actor in rehearsal and so you don't you want to be sure that you haven't gone home and decided on line readings for instance that's not helpful and I, I think a, a big part of preparing to be a, a, a good and productive and an exciting scene partner has to do with recognizing what is work that is your own private work and to do that on your own time outside of rehearsal and what work really is about the group of you coming together to be sure that every moment that's spent in rehearsal is spent doing work where you are learning from being in the room with each other. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also just on a technical level worth saying uh, that, it, that it's important that on the day you're supposed to be off book and know your lines that you actually are and that the first rehearsal you're supposed to be know your lines isn't about testing whether you know them or not when you're supposed to know your blocking that you know your blocking but again that falls directly though into the category of things that you can do on your own to be sure that the time that's spent in rehearsal is spent 
on things that you need to be together for. Once you are in rehearsal, one of the things that we have talked often in episodes in the past about is the specific process that you develop for yourself and the way that you like to work and the way that you've learned you work best. How do you balance your process with the process of the other actor once you're up and working on a scene together? Well, if, if you're working with the director, the director usually has uh, an approach in terms of how, how they want to initiate working on the scene. So uh, that becomes comfortable for the actors because they can sort of work on their own process and don't really need to have a discussion with the other actor in terms of how they prefer to work because that sort of, that can be deferred to the director and as long as uh, the director feels the rehearsals are are constructive you can just sort of only you know you can worry about your own process when you're you're working on a scene with just the other actor a conversation does need to happen about what the entry point for both of you is how how you're going to begin working on that so that becomes a little um, it doesn't necessarily need to be trickier, but I think you need to be really clear about how you intend on approaching the scene. And to back up half a step, I think that's why it's so important to have all that homework done. Because if you can really have a view of how you initially need to start working on the scene and can articulate that, that will be a helpful conversation with, with, with your partner. Uh, if you haven't done that homework, you just sort of show up and like, well, let's just improv or let's just sit at the table and, and just read it a few times, uh, read the script a few times. That's not as constructive, and I think there needs to be that, that conversation. As long as it's, it's clear and the actors both have uh, clear proactive agendas regarding how they want to begin working and then can have a conversation in terms of how those two agendas can help feed each other, I think that's healthy. And I think it, it's important to recognize that people work different ways and I think that part of it has to do with how you frame what you want to do. So if for instance actually if an improv would be helpful for you, it there's a there actually really is a real difference in getting along with people between saying what we need to do next is do this improv versus what would help me a lot would be is, is if we could do this. And that's I think either if you're working with a director or working with another actor you know, to present it as something that would be helpful to you, to be considerate that if you have a four-hour rehearsal block that you're not asking for four hours worth of work that would be helpful to you. But it would be reasonable in a four-hour rehearsal block to ask for 45 minutes of it to be given over to something that you know would be very helpful. And at the same time, to be respectful of if somebody says that they would mm -hmm. find something very helpful that is not necessarily the thing you would find most helpful, that, that you give that a shot too. And give it a real shot. Especially because you never know what you'll learn from that as well. Absolutely. You need to keep yourself open. And, and I think uh, it, it's something that we have, we talked about a bit in the episode about the rehearsal etiquette, and I think is, is really important, is that it is not appropriate, no matter what your circumstances are, for you to be giving notes or thoughts on either what the other actor is doing or the way that they're working. That is their business, and, and I think that, that part of what you, uh, you know, to be a good and giving scene partner is about doing what you need to do and letting them do what they need to do. Yeah, the, when we talk about being a good scene partner, you, know, you want a healthy working relationship, but what that ultimately means in terms of being a healthy working relationship, but also a productive working relationship, is understanding that 
plays and drama are ultimately about conflict, and so that your characters, you know, are going to have conflict, and you're going to serve your partner best by having an agenda for your character, having his, you know, his or her needs, their objectives, their own personal obstacles, having all that preparation for yourself, and then going for it in a rehearsal, uh, and knowing and trusting that the other actor will have the same, and allowing those two uh, agendas to clash with each other, and being healthy about the perspective about how that's going to clash is probably going to get messy at times. And to be able to get as messy as possible in rehearsal and leave it there. I, I think what you're alluding to, Kit, is, is that being a good scene partner does not mean either A, giving the other actor everything they need so that they can comfortably perform, uh, but it also doesn't mean asking the other actor to give you everything you need so that you can comfortably perform the play as you envision it, if, 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 if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think so much of what interesting drama is about is seeing people, again, in conflict. And so what you want to do is to, be a, to choose something strong that you want and to try to get it from the other person and hope that they're going to do the same thing for you. I mean, I think that, you know, one of the, I think, big misconceptions about what it might mean to be a good scene partner is giving the other person their room, giving them their space. It's time for their big monologue. We'll get out of their way. And really what you want to do is keep being that world that they're fighting against, that you you need to challenge, make the other character work for the thing that they want. And not just for the sake of making them work for what they want, but you know you don't ever want to actually make the other person especially comfortable because comfort is not a place that's a difficult place to work from when you feel like you are up there alone and and are having to create the world for yourself a big part of your job as a good scene partner is to make the other person's job hard is to make them work because that way they don't have to quote unquote act so much yeah. they just need to get what they want in the face of the thing that you're throwing up against them. Um, And that actually is the really generous thing to do, is to give the other person a lot to fight against rather than to give the person plenty of room to do whatever they want. The most interesting things in your own performance and their own performance is going to come out of when you both want something desperately that don't seem to cohere with each other and having to battle that out. It's tough, especially if, if you're working with, with people that you, that you respect or that you like or that you have previous relationships in which they're, you know, you know, if not actual friends, they're friendly or people you want to be, you know, friends with that, you know, I've certainly had rehearsal experiences where it, the rehearsal was really constructive and was really, you know, we were really investigating the play and, and there was really a lot of dynamic things happening between us. And, you know, when you have a, a conversation afterwards about how that rehearsal went, you know, I've had more than on one occasion, I've said, or the other actor said, boy, you, I really hated you in that moment, or boy, that really upset me in that moment. And that's a tough place to be, especially with someone that you actually care about. And it can be, it it requires a certain level of, I'm not sure what the word is, but to be able to have that experience in a rehearsal, and then to be able to step back out of that rehearsal and understand that as real and as genuine and as raw as that relationship may have been in that scene and how in life we would prefer we, we would regard that relationship and those those emotions as negative that they exist within the confines of the, the scene 
and then that once you step out, you can have a healthy conversation. Now, despite how much you may have hated or been frustrated with or, or angered by your, your scene partner, that, that when you step out, you can give yourself permission to get as furious or whatever that emotion is that would typically be regarded as negative and then step back out and regard that as a positive experience that you've actually helped each other. And well, I think, go ahead. Because presumably that anger or frustration made you do something back to the other character, to, yeah. to your scene partner, yeah. which, which just makes the scene interesting and makes yeah. it go. And I think that, that context needs to be there in terms of like talking with, with the other actor when, when you start is an acknowledgement that, you know, if you're doing a, a play or a scene that is going to be rife with conflict is having a conversation that, you know what, this, this ride may get messy and we may really have to go at each other and to give each other the permission to, to do that and that it will be safe to do that, that your personal relationship outside of that scene will will survive and possibly even thrive based on that. And that, a, again, a good scene partner isn't necessarily being nice to each other so that you can remain friends outside of the rehearsal. Yeah, And I think it's something we were saying before about a big part of being prepared to be a good scene partner is to do your homework when you're home. I think a big part of being a good scene partner when you get into rehearsal is to confound the other person's homework, mm -hmm. to surprise them. That to, to be sure that they've come in with a plan and not to disrupt their plan for the sake of disrupting and disrupt their plan as an actor, but to be sure that whatever it is that they've come in to explore is something that you are going to throw a monkey wrench into the middle of. Mm -hmm. Because it is going to be sure that they really have to confront it. They really have to consider it. And again, it's something we've talked about often before. But the most interesting thing to see on stage is to see somebody surprised. You know, and, and I think a, a big part of your job is to be the variable. Is to be the thing that the other person doesn't have control over. Because that's the thing that they have to respond to. That's the thing they have to respond to in the moment. And that's where they're going to learn the most about what they really believe about their characters when in the moment of rehearsal they are confronted by something they did not expect and just need to respond. That is always where an actor learns the most about their character. And again, to be a generous scene partner means to come in prepared to actually, you know, do battle with the other person. And to that end, coming in and really, during the scene, listening to the scene partner because that will open you up and allow you to be surprised and to come back at them in maybe a surprising way or an interesting way or a way that you had not planned out in your head. If a lot of people, you know, in early rehearsals or whatever, just come in with their lines done, knowing what they want and are not reacting to the other person because they're not listening to them. That I think is, I, I'm not sure there's anything more important, we will say. One of my favorite stories about a rehearsal was Marlon Brando, and I, I think it was Carl Malden, and they were doing a scene, and you know, they had worked together, obviously, they were, they were friends and colleagues and respected each other. They were doing a scene in which Malden was a detective who was searching Brando's character's apartment and they'd set up a rehearsal where they were going to do the scene and Brando was there and they confront each other and there was dialogue and there was text to follow. And when Malden walked in, Brando just reacted as somebody who all of a sudden had a stranger in his apartment. And so <laughs> Malden was completely prepared, had, had his lines, had his, his preparation, everything going. And Brando abandoned all of that and started cursing at him and trying to throw him out of the apartment. And Malden was initially really flustered. Apparently he also doesn't like profane language, so the fact that Marlon was just cursing a blue streak at him just really infuriated him. And 
I, apparently the scene ended with Marlon literally picking him up and throwing him uh, off stage and therefore out of the apartment. And when they were talking about the scene afterwards, Marlon was genuinely, you know, flustered and frustrated and, and really kind of just absolutely livid that, that that is what had happened. It certainly wasn't the way the, the scene went on the page. It certainly wasn't what he was expecting. But, you know, in the conversation they talked about it afterwards, that uh, Mr. Brando had obviously done him a great service in terms of what lies underneath for that scene, that when, in that particular circumstance, when <laughs> when you are breaking into someone's home to search, the, you, know, you know, when you are arriving in someone's home like that, that it may get hostile. And that what Brando had provided was a sense of what that relationship really would be like, so that once they returned to the script and how the scene would go, that sense of adversary... I don't think it's a word, but that, that, that adversarial relationship between them would still be there. So despite the fact that in that case, Brenda was cursing at him, had abandoned the script, had thrown him off stage for that rehearsal, he was actually a wonderful scene partner for, for, uh, for Carl Malden. That, that story makes me wonder what Brando was working on in that case. Because the hope is, and I would assume that it was the case, is that he was doing that for his own reason. That he was exploring which actually is often a very useful thing to say why don't i just throw this man out of my right. apartment and and that's a very useful rehearsal to try throwing him out of your apartment so you can look at what happened and see if you can figure out why that's a bad idea because it isn't ever your job and actually we'll talk a little bit of, uh, in more detail about this in a minute i think um about times where it might be a little bit your job but it's never really your job to fix the other actor. Being a good scene partner does not mean stepping back and seeing what they're having a problem with and doing something that will make them do it the way that you think that they are supposed to. That's actually a really invasive thing to do. So, so it's one of those things that the hope is you're choosing something very strong and important to you that you're going to do that is going to you know, have a surprising an important effect on the other person when they're confronted with that thing that's important to you. Well, I think that's, that's an important distinction is that by, by making the other actor's job difficult, you do that by having a specific agenda for yourself and fighting for that. You don't make the other actor's job difficult by attempting to necessarily specifically just disrupt and counter anything they're doing, that your objective should never be to just scuttle yeah. the other actor's objective. And I know you've talked about that, and particularly in improv, that it bothers you that when, when you figure out what the other actor, that as the actor, when you figure out what the other actor is working on, and then you just try to prevent them from getting what they want rather than, than fighting for what you want. And hopefully using what they want to get what you want, which is actually what people do in life. Yes. What was That brings up an interesting point because that, that can... You really have to be clear on why you're choosing, you know, whatever uh, specific tactic you're going to use for rehearsal. I was working on Fool for Love at the, at the actor's studio, and uh, my scene partner and I didn't have a director. And I think, like I said at the beginning that's, uh, of, of this episode, one of the, uh, the difference between having a director and not having a director in terms of, of how you work with your scene partner is that when you have problems, which will come up in a, in a rehearsal, you can always go to the director and say, this is the problem I'm having. Are you seeing the same thing? You know, I'm thinking of this to solve that. And you can sort of have a conversation with sort of a, a safe third party. But when we were working on this scene, 
I could not understand my partner's behavior. And, and to me, it seemed illogical. Now, it's not my job to tell her your behavior is illogical. So what I wound up doing was I decided I was going to have a rehearsal where I refused to leave, which I had been tempted to do in previous rehearsals, that refused to leave, and I was going to make her deal with me. But that unless I felt she was actually engaging me in a way that was logical, I was going to ignore her. I was going to go on with my physical activity, which, which I did. And that absolutely infuriated my scene partner, her, the actress. But what came out of that rehearsal was a very specific, very connected relationship in a way that hadn't been there before because I was no longer allowing her to just continue to behave illogically because that's what she needed to do. Um, that by sort of challenging that in a way that made her respond differently, it, it wound up feeding the scene. One of the difficulties in working with a scene partner alone is versus with the director is that invariably you're going to come up with with actor problems, things that need to be solved in terms of pursuing your objective. And, and a director can of, often see those, and so you can have a conversation about how to solve them, again, with a third party, where the actors necessarily don't feel like... It, it's funny, a director sort of gives you permission to go after things and to, to be more of a, a, a nuisance, for lack of a better word, to your scene partner. Because when you're just just you and your scene partner, there's a temptation to, to try to be polite. And I, I see a lot of scenes at the actor's studio where people work without a director. And after a couple of years of watching this, I feel like what happens is, is that the actors work until they seem to hit that actor problem, and then they drop the scene because there's no one there to push them through what is their, you know, what becomes a, a genuine sticking point. And I think that's the value of having a, a director there to continue to sort of you know, place it on the, the, the actors to continue to work through that actor problem and continue to be good scene partners to each other. Well, I think it's also on this question of the with and without a director, I'm really hard-pressed to think of a circumstance in which I think it's a good idea for people to work without a director for something that is intended to be seen by the public, that's intended to have an audience. I mean, I think often in classes, people do scene study work, or sometimes just independently, people do scene study work to practice their craft. But I think it's really important to be a good scene partner in that case, and to get the most out of it, to embrace the fact that that's what you're doing. That if the other actor is having an actor problem, what that can certainly disrupt is how good, quote unquote, the scene is. But since you're not doing it to be seen, how good the scene is doesn't matter that much. Mm -hmm. You know, what matters is the process and what you learn from working on it. So it really is something that, yeah, I, th I think is helpful to keep in mind, you know, when you're working with without a director is, again, the result of it, it's hopefully in a circumstance the result doesn't matter. So you can continue to do all of your own work. And the other person can be off spinning in space. So long as you accept that as the reality of the situation, it doesn't invalidate your work in any way. Mm -hmm. And I think, I actually just think as an extension of that, even when you are working with a director, I think it is very helpful to keep your eye very carefully on what your job is and that your job is your character. And I think people can get themselves into an awful lot of trouble when they start, for instance, with script analysis, where they're analyzing the play 
instead of analyzing their character's actions. And when they're analyzing especially the other character's actions, that if you want to talk about a pet peeve, one of my great pet peeves is when you're in rehearsal and you ask one actor something about their character and the other actor volunteers that they think they know the reason the person did it. Yeah. <laughs> what the other actor is doing with their character is their business and their business alone and their business in collaboration with the director. Because I think that you as an actor want to embrace, I am going to take all of my preparation for what is important to my character, where I am, what I want, and I am going to deal with that when confronted with whatever the other actor brings in front of me. And and I, I just think it can be disruptive to the actor-actor relationship and disruptive to really discovering things about your character if you're trying to reconcile what they are bringing to the table with what you think they should be bringing to the table. Because the fact of the matter is they are bringing to the table whatever they are bringing to the table and it is your job, whether you have a director or not, to in your character deal with that person, deal with that character as that actor is playing them mm -hmm. and not as you would play them if you were playing that role. All of that said, ultimately you are a team working together either when you're, if you're working independently to explore your craft or if you're working on a play with a director to make a play. There are things that actors can do to help each other when they get into trouble and certainly to help each other in conjunction with the director. What do you do when you find that you are having trouble in a scene? What do you hope for or ask for that your scene partner will do for you? I think what's most important, or what I find most important, is to lock into the other character, to lock into the other actor. Because, and actually, it's interesting when you see a rehearsal going on and you see people drop lines or something like that, invariably that is the most interesting moment, you know, following that, because you see the actor going to the other actor for help. And you see them really, really honestly engaging in one another, trying to get through that, you know, spot or that moment or that, that trouble area. Um, so I find, and I don't really know how to describe it, maybe you can describe it better, but just you going to the other uh, actor, locking into them, engaging them. Well, there's something that I think is, is very simple about that idea, about getting out of your own way that I think it can get very easily in rehearsal and candidly in performance. It's actually something that I, I, I say to actors always as we're going into the performance phase of things, that if you ever feel like you're getting in trouble, go to your scene partner. Mm -hmm. Because there is a real way where if you, you, your sort of frustration with whatever you're working with can really sort of begin to build on itself and start getting in its way. And if you really do nothing but lock in and talk to the other actor, I a lot of times you'll find that whatever that block is that's in your way will dissipate so you're able to find your way back into the scene because it gives you something very real to do which is to interact with an actual other person. I think it's also helpful for me in either in rehearsal or performance but specifically in rehearsal to just I don't I won't come to the other actor for answers because you know as we've alluded to in, or at least I've alluded to in previous episodes you know, I, I like the questions. I like struggling with the questions. And I, I don't necessarily need answers as long as I continue to struggle with the questions. And as you said earlier, Kit, I really don't want necessarily answers about 
my character from the other actor. But if I'm able to just articulate with them where I'm struggling or what it is I'm struggling with, I find a conversation arises that is helpful, not about the answer to solve that problem, but, but how, how to go about working on it so that we can work on it to solve the problem. And having that scene partner there and understanding what their experience of that rehearsal or that performance was is really, really helpful. It's, it's weird in that I want to talk specifically as possible but about generalities about the scene, if that makes sense. I'm not looking for, you know, how do we solve this specific moment, but, but I want to talk about what we think this moment might be about or why this might be important to the characters and then to be able to, to ad address that with my own work, to know that we may need to set up a specific improv about that moment mm -hmm. rather than talking out with my scene partner what we both you know, think that moment is in terms of an answer. I think if, if we can say, yes, I'm struggling with this moment, this moment I think is about this particular dramatic question. Can we have an improv about this moment or can we work on this specific aspect of the play? That, that's, I think, making uh, good use of, of the scene partner to have that, that, that type of dialogue. And I think it can also be really helpful to hear from them about what their experience of the scene was yeah. to kind of help you analyze what happened. And again, what you don't want to hear from a scene partner was, I noticed in this moment you were doing this and you might not want to do that. But to say that I, when you confronted me about this thing, I actually had to work kind of extra hard to feel like I had to come back at you about it. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to come up with a reason for myself that I needed to answer that because I didn't feel that I owed you an answer at that moment. Yeah. Because part of what that can do is, A, you know, kind of allow you to analyze what happened in, in the scene, but also, again, by taking the onus off of your problem, it becomes much easier, I think, in your head as an actor to say, oh, I need to do something to make them respond in that moment. I need to solve their problem mm -hmm. in that moment by giving them something to deal with, rather than, again, getting caught up in the psychological morass, which candidly is a lot of what, you know, gets actors wheels spinning, is when problems compound upon themselves the more and more they think about it. And if you can get your mind off that problem, find something, a problem to help the other actor solve, um, you know, it can, be, it can be a useful way to approach when you're struggling. Yeah. What do you do when another actor asks for help? Either where they ask you for help, or conceivably, if you he, if they are talking with the director in front of you about something that they're struggling with, are there things that you can do to help them that are not invasive? Yeah, I try to be really careful about that relationship, and and I'll I usually offer, if asked, what my experience of that moment is. Um, you know, if there's a specific moment that I'm having trouble with, the uh, I can offer what my experience is and what is important to me and my character about that moment, and then allow the other actor and or the director to to work with the information I, I've provided. I, I think in, in a lot of cases, you know, where the other actor may be struggling, you have to be respectful of their process and what their agenda is. So I just try to provide information that's objective rather than subjectively suggesting that there's things that they could be doing or should be doing or what I think they, they need to be working on. I know I certainly resent it or would resent it when if somebody imposed that on me and thankfully that rarely happens to me. So I try to be respectful of that, that process as well. 
Because I think if you deal with the objective reality of what that experience is, you can then trust the other actor and or director to come up with a way to to address that and work on that. And that it's it's your job to continue to work, this sounds weird, to continue to work for yourself or to work on the things you're working on and provide uh, an objective uh, report of what that experience is. And it, but it's certainly not your job to, to suggest what you think that moment needs to be. And I think that there are things that you can do in the next run of the scene that can be helpful. And again, you don't want to be prescriptive even uh, indirectly uh, when working with another actor. But if you know that they're struggling with, uh, you know, the reason that they don't pick up the phone and call their daughter to make something totally random up, you can choose as the thing that you're focusing to work on in the next run something that will force them to confront that. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't want to choose something that seems to indicate an answer. I mean, I certainly have seen actors try to direct other actors by the way they play a scene. You don't want to do that. But you certainly can do something that brings that issue to the fore as something that they cannot not deal with in the scene in order to get through it. What I talk about the, the, the earlier rehearsal process for Fool for Love is, you know, I realized, I felt my, my, as the actor, I felt my partner's behavior was illogical. It's certainly not my place to go, you know what, I don't understand anything you're doing and your behavior is illogical and you need to do something else so that it makes sense to me. But I realized that as the other actor, I was being a good scene partner in that whatever she was doing, I was going to deal with it and give her attention and, and act as if it were logical. I wasn't being a good scene partner to her, and I, it certainly wasn't serving me at all. So the reason I chose ignoring her was in, in those moments that was illogical was because in the, that specific relationship, I was giving her so much attention that her behavior could be whatever it needed, you know, whatever she felt like doing, and there was no consequence. I was simply going to continue to voice attention upon her. So it became my job to tell her, you need to, it was not my job to tell her, you need to do something else so it makes sense to me. But as the actor, I said, okay, unless she does something that doesn't, unless she does something that makes sense, I'm not going to deal with her. I'm, 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 I'm not going to deal with her. And that I felt was a productive way to address that, that actor issue that I felt she was having without dictating to her, you know, what I thought she needed to be doing. Although I, I also suspect that it really came from a need from you as an actor, too, that your behavior stopped making sense to you, I would suspect, if there were these things that you were finding illogical and you were treating them as though they were logical. So the idea, Absolutely. actually, to say, I'm not going to deal with something I find to be illogical, A, I, I, I think you know, obviously came out of your need to address an actor problem you were having. Yes. And also seems to be, in the case of that character and the circumstances of that play, seems to be a reasonable response for him. Yes. That I could imagine that character deciding he simply was going to ignore her until he thought she was behaving uh, like a person. Yeah. But I I think, again, a lot of it goes back to in order to help the other actor to be that thing that they can't control, to be the element in the scene that they need to deal with, um, to give them something to confront. And I know uh, that it seems like a very generous thing to do, and, and it is, 
But I also think it can be, it can serve the actor who's doing that incredibly well too. I mean, I know that I do as an, as a director from time to time, or relatively often actually, when we're working on something as seen, there will be times where one actor is struggling with something and I will give a note to another, to the other actor to do something that really is intended to confront the actor who's having the problem. Um, and a lot of times I'll have to preface it with, I want you to try something, and I know it doesn't make a lot of sense for what we're working with, but I want you to try it. It is amazing how often the person who is the quote-unquote helping actor, the one who's doing, who I've given an adjustment with the intention of kind of jarring loose something in the other actor, that the actor who is the quote-unquote helper is the one who makes the real discovery in that scene. Mm -hmm. uh, again, because it forces you to kind of think outside of the box. So it, it is a useful thing, uh, again, you know, to because it's good to explore all sorts of different things in rehearsal. And if you are confronted with something that you had not thought of exploring, but seems to be something that might help to rattle someone uh, out of a rut that they're that they have voiced that they are stuck in, um, it can be very helpful. What do you do when you notice that your scene partner needs help, but they don't seem to notice it? Hmm. What do I do? Well, you know, it's funny. We talk about when you're in trouble, you know, locking in on your scene partner. And oddly enough, I feel like if my scene partner is having trouble, I actually lock in on them. And um, whatever I'm working on, whatever my objective is, tends to get shifted specifically to them. Uh, because I feel like if, if I can engage them even more uh, uh, in a more focused way than than I was even previously. It's going to force it's going to force some reaction out of the other actor, and you know whether that that reaction is appropriate for their character or their or for the scene is something to be talked about afterwards uh, after the rehearsal. But if you can, it, again, it's a very fine line. I what I'm about to say is I. If I can do something, if I can take an action that will provoke a reaction from the other actor, I think that's helpful. But my goal can't be to necessarily provoke the other actor. What it means is I have to fight even harder in a more direct way for whatever it is that I'm working on and hope and have faith and have trust that the other actor will respond um, to whatever I'm throwing at them. Anything, all of what we're talking about, you, your job is, is to you have to acknowledge that you're going to provoke things out of each other and that your job is to do that rather than to choreograph a scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I also think that um, worth noting that if you are noticing that the other actor is having an actor problem, you're probably having a little bit of an actor problem yourself. That And again, with no judgment, that's what you do in rehearsal is work out the actor problems that you're having. But if you are really engaged with what you want and are dealing with the other person as the person who is coming at you, they're bringing, again, they're bringing what they're bringing to the table. It's your job to deal with that. Yeah. And not to judge whether it's a problem or not. <laughs> to judge whether it's a problem for you and how to deal with it. One place where that can be especially tricky, though, is if the other actor is being very passive, meaning that it's very easy for you to get what you want. 
In that case, though, it still is your problem, which is that you need to up your object, your obstacles and the and the difficulties you know that you imagine in your world to get at what you want. But I know I I had one experience where I was in a show that apparently the other actor, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm gonna say, the other actor literally every time they had a laugh line would turn to the audience and put their hands out and deliver the joke. And it made the director and it made the assistant director and it made several of the people who were involved in the production absolutely furious. I, honest to God, didn't notice. Because in the mo- because she hadn't done it in rehearsal. But when she was doing it on stage, what I was noticing in character was, why does she stop looking at me? Right. She keeps tr- And it was driving me crazy. But it really fueled me, actually, as an actor. But it was one of those things that it kind of, in that moment didn't occur to me that she was playing to the audience. It was that she was ignoring me. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, it's one of those things when you're really locked in on the other actor, you know, the, the hope is that whatever behavior they're bringing, you will treat as behavior from the character instead of behavior from the actor. Absolutely. I, I think whether they're having problems or, or not, what, what, the way you can serve yourself and serve your scene partner is to deal with the reality they're giving you and not the, the reality that you assume the play is supposed to create. If they're supposed to be fighting incredibly, or if you feel according to the play they're supposed to be fighting incredibly hard for something and they're just not, you don't do them a service to pretend as if they are fighting really hard. I think you have to deal with the reality that, that they give you and if there are adjustments that need to be made, well then you've pinpointed you know where problems are in, in your rehearsal process and are in, in, in your work on the play and can address those. But if you pretend that they're doing something you're not because that's your understanding of what the other character should be doing, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're never, that play will never come alive and you're not serving either yourself or your character or, or the other actor or the other characters. You said, Kate, you know, it does sort of become your actor problem if the other actor isn't doing what, for lack of a better term, if the other actor isn't doing what they should be doing, but you're pretending that, that they're doing what they should you think they should be doing now both of your behaviors are logical for that play mm-hmm. yeah and, and again I think so much of being a good scene partner has to do with doing your job and letting the other person do theirs it is not ever your job to engineer another actor's performance and you shouldn't try and as you said Tim it actually impacts on the truth of your performance when you start trying to do that yeah so once you have had a rehearsal process and have hopefully been a good scene partner, when you get into performance, how does that change what it means to be a good scene partner? Well, it's tricky because once you get into performance, there's certain things that are locked. Your blocking is locked uh, for 99.9%. Your, your text is obviously locked. So there's a, a level of exploration that ceases. So when you're working with your scene partner in performance, it, it's not as if you can't continue to feed each other. You actually, you know, should find ways. It's just the the window of the windows of opportunities to to work with each other and, and, for lack of a better term, provoke each other and work with each other, are are smaller, and you have to work harder to find them. But they are still there, and I think as long as the actors don't see the performance as an opportunity to stop being alive, for, for lack of a better term, you, you can still work with each other and still feed each other. You'll still make discoveries, and if you're still aware that you know, you're still a living human, you know, a living, breathing thing, and still allowing their reality to affect you, but just know that there's certain elements of, of, 
of that process now that will sort of be locked. You can still feed each other. It's just in such a, a, a more finer way, I guess, if that, that, if that makes sense. Well, I think something that, and it goes back to what you said before, Jenny, that I think becomes even more important in performance as rehearsal, although it's of paramount importance in rehearsal, is continuing to listen to each other. Yeah. You know, and to really listen to what is being said to you and respond to what is being said to you. Because especially when you're talking about working on that fine level where you are in this incredibly controlled environment where night after night you go to the same place, you wear the same clothes, you know, you pick up the, you know, lighter on the same line. It's those little tiny changes of inflection that can take on a huge amount of meaning in that circumstance. So it still can feel very alive if you're really listening to the other person and really answering what they said instead of saying your next line. Yeah. And the, the, what also actually helps that in terms of really, really listening is, you know, you have all these thing, these elements that you're working on in a rehearsal. And what, what I like to do once I get to performance is, you know, you try to have as many balls in the air as possible in terms of your preparation, your your character history, your sensory work, your actions, your obstacles, all the things that we've we've talked about previously. But there's nights I'll come in and say, I need to focus on this one specific thing a little more than the other things. I'm tonight I'm going to really concentrate on working on this specific element, whether that's a given circumstance or an action or whatnot. And I find just that slight emphasis on one of the things I've already been working on a set changes the experience of that play and does allow it to be fresh for me. And so I do discover things about the other actor. And I think hopefully the other actor discovers you know, things about the play that are, that are new or at least about our relationship. And I think that's how you can serve each other is if, I guess that's what I mean by the play's not locked. It's like, okay, all of these, these variables I have are continued to be of the same value and I'll walk in every night valuing each of these elements as the same as I did the previous night and so therefore my experience will be the same. If you shift your emphasis in terms of what's important for you that night, and that doesn't mean sacrificing anything you've worked on, but it just means paying specific attention or having a specific awareness about a specific element that you've worked on. It changes your experience and therefore has to change the experience of the other actors as well. Mm-hmm. What about the idea of you know something you hear a, f- a fair amount about, but stealing focus or giving focus to the other actor? What responsibility do you have in terms of being a good scene partner in performance about giving about where the, the audience focus goes at any given time? The difficult part in dealing with when an actor is stealing focus is that it's often a technical issue that needs to be solved artistically. Because again, I don't think as the actor, particularly performance, it's not my job to say this actor isn't doing what I need them to do. I had an experience very early on in my career where I was, uh, one of the first roles I played was, was Alan in Equus. And we had a big open space in which to, to do the, the, the scenes. And the girl I was working with, for whatever reason, you know, we were really coming at each other. And whatever reason, once we got in performance, would take a slight half step upstage and again, I, I was very young and really did not have a, a real sense of stagecraft at all. And so since I was, I needed something from her, just kept coming at her. And she kept taking half steps upstage. And so the, the scene would wind up every night a good, you know, 12 feet upstage from where <laughs> we needed to be, from where the director wanted. And I usually wound up completely with my back facing the audience because I was so, you know, 
intent on getting what I needed from her. And it was actually one of the other actors who had a lot more experience who came to me and said, you can't let her do that to you. And I didn't know what he meant until he explained to me. He's like, you know, you're, no one is seeing what's going on with you. You're, A, you're, you're 12 feet deeper than where you need to be. So the audience is losing that. Plus, we're not seeing anything from you at a really important moment. And I'm like, okay, well, what do I do? Do I, do I tell her? You know, do I, and he's like, no, no. He's like, find the moment where you're, you're and I, I'm very thankful for his answer. His answer to me was, find the moment where you feel genuinely uh, frustrated with her in which you're not achieving your objective. He said, and then just turn away from her downstage. And I did that. And she followed me. <laughs> and then from that point on, we, we were able to, to solve what was really sort of a staging and blocking issue organically. So it's, it's a tricky thing because often you're talking about technical elements. If someone's got a big speech on one hand, on one side of the stage, and the other guy is dealing with all the props on the other side of the stage, it's this weird world of, it's this weird hybrid of a technical and artistic problem and that needs to be solved. Because I, th I think, you know, an actor is, is perfectly justified to deal with a technical issue. But if it's coming out of an artistic impulse of the other, other actor, it's not your place to say, well, you have to put down the props while I, I give this. That's, that's, again, to use it, it's an invasive and oppressive thing. So it, it's, I think it's incumbent on the other actor, if the stage manager, if the director isn't stepping in to deal with that, which in that case of Equus they weren't, you have to come up with an artistic, creative way to deal with this, what is often a technical problem. And I think uh, something else that goes along with the idea of, as we were talking, respecting the other actor's job, I think something that, that is important also is to respect the director's job in terms of creating focus. Because really, uh, obviously there are cases where they don't and you need to deal with it if you're finding yourself left alone. But for the most part, it's the director's job to identify where the focus needs to be and shape the production in such a way that the focus gets there. And there's a lot of ways they can do it with staging, with lighting, with all manner of other things. But I know when I was a young actor, I used to think, I, you know, God, directors must love working with me because I, you know, I'm, I'm on the ball and I know that this character is going to have to enter this way soon. So when we're in a staging rehearsal, I, you know, I make it a point to move out of the way. Well, I would kill an actor who did that in my rehearsal because I don't, that's not their job. I want them to be engaged in the world that they are creating for themselves and not worry about the rest of that. It's my job to worry about the rest of that. And part of the joy of my job is finding where two people literally run into each other and figuring out how to deal with that rather than having someone solve that problem um, in advance. And I think a lot of it in terms of being the good scene partner is, as we were talking about before, not to be polite. It's not your job to be polite. I mean, I think that there's a, a, a large school of thought that, you know, it's like, oh, this person has a monologue, so it's everyone's job to kind of slightly turn up stage and you know, kind of be very quiet so everyone's looking at the person who's giving the monologue. Well, if you are directed to do that, then you, you know, can do that. But up until that point, if you feel like you need to, I don't know, lay down on the ground or kick a chair across the room because you're upset at what they're doing, in rehearsal at least, I mean, certainly once you're set, but in rehearsal at least, do that. Make the other actor deal with it make the other, make the director deal with it if they need to deal with it. But I think the important thing, though, is to be sure that you're dealing with the stimulus in the world of the play and not the stimulus of the theater. 
because like the girl who was taking the half step up stage, she was doing that in response to the audience and not Mm -hmm. in response to the other character. But if she felt like, at least before things were totally locked, that you touched her and she wanted to run across the stage, well, she should do that. Mm -hmm. Even if it's in the middle of your moment. You know, because then there's that's a moment to learn from. Right. But but it but it is not it is not kosher though to try to upstage your partner, or or even to try to give them, try to hand the stage over to them for their right. big moment. It's going to be much better if they have to fight for the stage. And of course, listen to the director. The director is the one who's going to arbitrate what the best move is ultimately. I I think it's important that in a rehearsal process and in a performance process to trust the director that the director sees what you're experiencing. And that it's the actor's job to address what's ever going on in that performance or in that rehearsal. And I want to sure I say this correctly. It's the actor's job to deal with those issues that will come up that, that may be of a technical problem or of a creative problem. To deal with them within the confines of the rehearsal, of the moment of working in the world of the play. And not to negotiate how that rehearsal should work outside of the world of the play. And by that, what I mean is, I was working on a, a, a three-person scene once, and the relationship between me and another character was very adversarial. And so there was a moment while one of the characters was speaking, while the, the two actors and I, the, the, the other actor and I, got very combative in a way that I knew was, was, was most likely distracting to what, was, what the story of the play needed to be. But I felt obligated to deal with what that actor was giving me and what my objective was. And the, the most difficult moment I, I had in that rehearsal process was after we were done working on the scene once, the actor, the other actor, turned to the director and said, we were doing, and explained what we were doing, and said, are you okay with that? Which, it left me feeling self-conscious because now we're, we're now, we were now judging our experience, but we were bringing in the director to negotiate our experience rather than trusting that the, the director would see what, what our experience was and give us appropriate adjustments um, that didn't rely on commenting. Because that was what was really going on, was there was an implication in which he was commenting on both of our performances, which can be inhibitive to the other actor. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's, it's much healthier for an actor if... <laughs> If they're going to receive feedback on the performance or their work, it's just safer to get that from a director yeah. and trust that rather than from the other actor, which you alluded to earlier. What about when you are ha- do have to deal in performance with technical elements of plays? That I mean, we have talked about generally being a good adversary to your scene partner, and that's what it means to be a good scene partner. But there are times where you need to move a piece of scenery together. There is stage combat. There is dance. There is singing that you may have to do where you do have to um, on a more technical level work together rather than working against each other what do you do about handling those and and continuing to be a good scene partner in those moments and also in the other parts of the scene i think you need an understanding a mutual understanding of what that particular moment is about and then trust that the other actor will work with you to achieve that moment like specifically in stage combat, you know, clearly that needs to be something that's that calibrated to to such a fine degree that you both have an understanding of where where you will be, where each movement is is coming from, and so that you can expect and trust that the actor will be 
you know, where they need to be and will give you the thing physically that they need to offer in order for that that particular aspect of the play to work, you know, the, the stage combat aspect. So it, it's slightly different, only in that you need to have a mutual expectation of what that moment is about. I think when you're rehearsing the more, for lack of a better word, the interpersonal dynamics of a play, I think it's actually fine if for the actors that moment is about different things or if they value one aspect of the relationship with the character differently than the other. But I think in, in terms of, particularly in terms of stage combat, you need to have a real clear understanding of what those specific moments are about and what the achievement of that action is and work together to, to ensure that. I, I, I think one thing that's helpful there too is to really acknowledge for yourself and with the other person when you're passing in between the sections. That it, it's something that I, I think is, is de rigueur in, uh, in, in stage combat that you get eye contact with the person before you move into the stage combat section of things. And I think that that can be a very useful sort of thing. Also, when you have to, when you've been in the middle of this, you know, whatever high tension scene and then you need to move a piece of scenery together, to lock in with each other just for a second. Like, all right, we're checking out. Or not we're checking out, but we're checking into this new section of what we're doing. And then to do the same thing before you before you leave it. You know, to sort of clear with each other. I, I mean, I actually have a, a little visual of it in, in my head. It's, it's like, you know, fighter pilots flying in formation. And then they peel off. And, you know, and it's very clear when you've peeled off from the formation to go into something else. And I think it's really helpful rather than just sort of mushing from the scene into moving scenery or even from the scene into a dance moment. Again, that you have a little check-in with the other actor that says, all right, we're doing this thing now. And then when you're done, saying, all right, we're back, back to the fight. Let's go. It, it, just, it just helps keep it clear, I think. Ultimately, it's about being present and understanding the reality of, of that moment. And if the moment is something going on in the dynamic of the play... That's that's what's going on, and if it's we are now in a technical element, you know, you can you can play that reality too, actually, organically, and not worrying about, you know, abandoning the play or abandoning your scene partner or needing needing to do something radically different in order to achieve that. You just can have that present reality and that experience and the acknowledgement that here's where we are now. I think we're uh, we're getting to a really good place to wrap up. Before we do. We've talked throughout largely in the singular. What do you do about when you're working with your scene partner? In rehearsal and in performance, does it change it at all when you're talking about dealing with scene partners? I mean, there are, there are often scenes that take place with three or more people in them. Does that change at all what it means to be a good scene partner, or are there additional things that you need to do? I think just being very specific about what you want from each character and engaging that character and knowing what's going on around you. I think just, I mean, I think even just being more specific with what's going on will help that and, and will just make it make sense. There are certainly scenes in which you are in a room with multiple people and one person or two people are quote unquote more important to your character in that scene than others. I mean, that happens in life too. But I think it is important to be sure that the other people are there, that they're real, that you have taken the time to consider what them being in the room changes for your character. And I think another very important thing about that is when you are playing one of the quote-unquote not-as-important characters in a scene, when you're, you know, the, the, one, of the one of the character's assistants who is there and has a couple of lines, but 
to be sure that you continually have a story going on, that you are someone that when they look at, when someone else looks over at you, you are engaged in the scene, you're not observing this, you're not watching the scene as an audience member, but that you are there and taking up your space in the room and that you do your work to figure out why you don't say more. That it's not because you don't have lines, but that you are doing all of the work of all of the things you want to be saying right now and the reasons that you aren't. And, and why you're in that room. And why you're in that room, exactly. Yeah, there's actually a play that, that you wrote that has three characters in it, and they're, they're all going at each other at different times. But they're, because of that, there are periods where someone is silent for a long time, that they have to, but there's a reason. Like it's not that they it's time for those two to talk right now, but there's a reason that you might want to let two people fight it out if you know so you have to come up with that story for yourself well, I think yeah, I think the this the only real special consideration about a group scene is to be vigilant about doing all the things you would do in a two person scene to be specific and to do your work and then just to avoid the temptation of at any point dropping out mm-hmm. because. You think you know uh, you're you're never less required to be present, <laughs> you know, because your you, part of the scene is done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You never you, you shouldn't. It's not done until. Yeah, you shouldn't give yourself permission to sort of drop out because this moment isn't about you or or that this this specific aspect of you know th- this section of of dialogue or text or whatever doesn't seem to directly involve you on the page. I think that's the only real special consideration. It's just. It's all the same variables you would have with the two-person scene, except now you have them with multiple people. And I think it is just important to realize, no matter what your role in that scene is, that if the playwright has written you into the scene, you're there for a reason. Um, I say that as a playwright. You know, that there are scenes that, you know, it's, it's easy to get a character out of the room if it's not important that they be there. And also, it's something that I, I've said in, in earlier episodes, and I really believe it, in a lot of Shakespeare, it's incredibly important who is in that room. There are people who, uh, who, if you look at it, don't have a single line in the scene, but are in a room, and it really changes the dynamic of the room to have that person present. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's just that thing to, to, to really be sure that you are, um, like in pool, playing the geometry of the table. You know, that you see it will make your performance richer. It will make um, the the scene more interesting to watch. It will keep everyone on their toes. And again, with you being a generous scene partner and providing a challenge and complication to other people, if they never know when you're going to turn and deliver a line to someone who doesn't think they're involved in the scene. Because that can be a... I've seen that happen in a few plays where all of a sudden somebody turns to person who seems to be an uninvolved third party and tries to involve them in the conversation to get them to be their ally in a, in a line that probably was written to be delivered to another character. But it's certainly doable. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's important just to be in the room always when you're in the room and to be sure that everyone else who's in the room is in the room with you. One thing uh, that we haven't talked about and are not going to talk about um, is uh, how this changes when you're talking about film. Um, and we're actually going to be doing an episode coming up in the relatively near future about the differences between acting for film and acting for theater, uh, because there are a lot of these things that we've been talking about that are very much about the theatrical process, many of which apply to film. 
uh, but there are also ways in which film is a is a very different ball game, uh, and and actually especially in this area. So we hope you will tune in for that uh, when when that episode posts. So I think that's a good place to wrap up. So for Tim, Jenny, Jen, myself, and everyone at the Cry Have a Company, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you like what you're hearing and would like to let other people know about it, please tell people about the podcast and also go to iTunes and uh, write us a review and give us stars. If you are listening but are not subscribed, go to iTunes and subscribe. If you would like more information about the Cry Havoc Company and uh, what we have under development and things that we will be doing for the public to come see, please visit www.cryhavoccompany.org. We have a brand new website up in the last few weeks. Come and check it out. And we will be back with you soon with more discussions with us and other members of the company about the art and craft of writing, directing, and acting and the realities of being a working artist in New York City. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. You can learn more about the Cry Havoc Company at cryhavoccompany.org. Questions or comments can be sent to podcasts at cryhavoccompany.org. All music from this show came from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe.